Voices of the Valley, Episode 5. I'm here with Mr. DeWitt Scott today. Thank you for coming on today. How are you? I'm great, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming. You're the first guest that actually brought me a gift, which I think (laughs) is awesome. That's awesome. I hope that is a culture that continues. I'll put the word out. There you go. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So how long have you been uh, at Moraine? Uh, I've been at Moraine almost seven years. Seven years? Yep, next next month, Mm -hmm. next seven years. Yeah. Um, So it's been pretty cool so far. Yeah, and uh, did you go to this college when you were growing up? I didn't, actually. Yeah. Um, I didn't go to Moraine, actually. Um, I had a lot of friends that went here, and my first introduction to Moraine was during my college years. My friends were here, and I would come up here to play basketball with them. Oh, okay. And, you know, that's that's the first time. You you hear about Moraine, but I, li- I don't live near the area, so mm-hmm. my first time coming out was just to play ball with them. Yeah. 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 So you you like basketball? Love it. Basketball, Love it. Basketball. At one point, basketball was my life. Really? It's all I wanted to do. It's all I ever did with my time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you found that at like a really young age. Super young age. Super young. Super young age. Started playing ball, basketball at six. Mm-hmm. Um, started playing very seriously. Not long after, eight nine years old. Um, I was always super tall for my age. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm six six now. Yeah. Um, but I've been six three since I was thirteen. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was always, like, the tallest kid. But I, always, I played basketball day and night. Um, I had a hoop behind my house. Yeah. Up. Um, when I was in fifth when I was in fifth grade, I played on the eighth grade team. Uh, I was in fourth grade, I played on the sixth grade team. I always played up. Uh, yeah. I played, yeah, I played basketball my entire life until I just got to the point where I had to do something different. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how far did you go? So I actually played professionally. Really? Yeah. Wow. I played professional basketball. Um, in the NBA G League. It's yes. The G League now. Um, to show you how old I am, when I played, it was called the D League. Okay. For development league. Yeah. But since I've stopped playing Gatorade, the Gatorade company has brought the rights to the to the league. Yeah. So they changed it to the NBA G League. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but I, I played I play professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, played Division One basketball. I played at one of the top high schools in the country, the Whitney Young High School. Mm-hmm. Um, so basketball is just, you know, I, I, my goal, of course, my life goal is to play in the NBA. So I came, I literally came this close. To yeah, me. I mean, you technically were in it. You technically were. Depending on where you act. <laughs> Give yourself some credit, man. You made it further than a lot of people, a ton of people that have the same dream. That's that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. More than it's different. true. It's just true, though. Yeah. 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 Give yourself some credit. That's <laughs> a lot of hard work, dedication put in. It was. Yeah, from your youth to that, to then. You it know, was. there's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of time away from mm-hmm. family. Yeah, a lot of like birthdays and uh, Thanksgivings and Christmases, mm-hmm. sure. but it was it was worth it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you look back on that, do you feel you feel like more fulfilled than anything? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. At the, I've, I've now I appreciate it much more. Um, at that time when I was playing, so I started playing in D League when I was twenty three. Yeah, I played twenty three to twenty five on mm-hmm. two years. But at that time, like your head is down and it's like I'm just focused on this. I want to go to the NBA. Yeah. Or I, even if I don't make it to the NBA, I want to be the best D League player I can play. Uh, I, I can be. Mm-hmm. So you don't really see anything else. But then now that I'm older, um, and kind of gotten more into the work world and things like that, like I feel like it's it's a really good thing now because I can look back and say that I did that. Um, whereas at the time, you know, I just felt like I was never successful enough. So, yeah. It's nice to look back on it and feel like that fulfillment rather than the guilt because there would always be in that thing in your head like, oh, I never tried or I yeah. never. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it definitely was a lack of trying for me. I gave I gave the game of basketball every single thing I had. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so 
do, for the D League, is do you play on like teams? Like, yeah. okay. So what team did you play for? So I played for I played for two teams there, but the majority of my time was with the Fort Wayne Madness, which oh, okay. is the Indiana Pacers D League mm-hmm. team, okay, or, or G League team. Um, it's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, um, I played there, loved it. I always tell people the G League is the NBA mm-hmm. without the talent and the money. Really? Yeah. Like, the rules are the same. The culture is the same. Um, the expectations in terms of, like, on the court are the same. But, obviously, we're not as talented and as athletic as those guys. Mm-hmm. And we don't make anywhere near as much money um, as NBA players. So, but at that age, though, for that time, it's just a lot of fun. You just, you're traveling, you're playing. Football. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's a bunch of fun. Yeah, so you, did you travel, like, the country doing that kind of travel stuff? All across the country. Yeah. All across the country, from California to Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my very last D League game was in uh, was in Maine, Augusta, Maine. Okay. Um, and being from Chicago, going to Maine was just like, <laughs> yeah, like you never think you would be in Maine, right? Exactly. But because of the D League, because of college, I've been to Maine multiple times. I've been to they have a D League team, mm-hmm. a G League team, in Idaho. I've been to North Dakota like ten times. I've been to South Dakota about ten times. I've been to places that you just wouldn't imagine. Going yeah. To. Like ever going to South Dakota? I don't think I ever had like an ambition Nobody to go there. Does. Yeah, where Nobody was your favorite does. like place to play? Oh man! Or even just a visit. So my favorite place to play a visit actually was L.A. Yeah. Um, in the G League, my first time going to L.A. Mm-hmm. And we played in the Staples Center, which where the Lakers play. Yeah. They changed the name a month ago, like Crypto.com or whatever. Crypto.com. Yeah, I think a crypto bought it, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Very so, weird. But playing playing on the floor where Kobe played, where Shaq played, like, that's where our game was. So, like, in the middle of the game, you look up and you see Magic Johnson's uh, jersey retired, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's jersey retired. Kobe was still playing at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But to just be on that floor, like, it's like, man, I never in my life thought I would be playing an actual game on the Staples Center floor. Yeah. It was a very surreal moment for you. Oh, man, it was just the best moment. I was just so excited. My team lost. We lost. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just so excited because it was like, this is – this is something I'll probably never get a chance to do again, mm-hmm. but I can say I did it. At least you went there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I did it. Yeah. So, so when did the path change for you? Like, when did you finally realize, like, okay, I should get away from basketball and start pursuing something else? Well, I was in my second year in the D-League, yeah. and I wasn't, I wasn't a star in the D-League. Um, I wasn't even a consistent starter. I may have started maybe a fourth of my games. Mm-hmm. The other three-fourths was coming off the bench. But it's like one of those role players. And yeah. Typically in the G-League, or any minor league sports situation, the role players don't make it to oh, okay. a higher level, right? In order to even get to the NBA, you have to be a star on the lower level. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a star. I understood that. I never, I was never um, delusional about that. Mm-hmm. But what helped me was prior to getting to the D League, I played Division One basketball at Purdue Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, Purdue University at Fort Wayne, in the very same city that I played for my G League team. And while I was there. I was able to get my bachelor's and my master's. So I was playing ball at Purdue Fort Wayne and I graduated with a master's degree. Yeah. Um, so when I got to the D League, you know, I know, I'm, I know I'm not a star, but I'm trying my best to get there. Um, but after going getting to the end of my second year, I'm like, it's not a lot of money. Uh, I play sometimes, sometimes I don't. It's a lot of traveling, it's a lot for this, right? And I'm like, what are my other options? Some of my teammates and the guys I was playing against, they didn't really have an option. They didn't graduate college. Right? Oh, okay. But at the time I'm in the D League, I had two degrees. I had a bachelor's and a master's. So I was like, well, I, I don't have the same, like, roadblocks. Yeah. Like, I can actually do something else. 
And after that second season, I felt like I could either come back here and do these spot minutes, spot games, a lot of traveling um, for low money, or I could try to use my master's degree to do something different. And that's what I decided. Mm -hmm. And so what was, what was the path that really drew you? Well, then that, that, that's, so that's the thing about being, being bas playing basketball and yeah. playing your whole life wrapped in basketball. You don't know how to do anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and plenty of my friends and teammates fall victim to that. Like, they, you play, I've been playing since I was six, and that's all I play. I've never played any other sport. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know how to play any other sport. I don't watch any other sport. I don't watch football. I don't care about the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't care about any of that. Like, it's only basketball. It's only basketball. Yeah. So you get this single-mindedness. Single but what happens is that when it's time to stop playing, it's like, what do I do now? And mm -hmm. I ask that question, like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. The only thing, my, or my saving grace, I would say, is that all my life, I really love books. Oh, okay. Like, I just love to read. Mm -hmm. um, I read seven days a week. That's awesome. Yeah. That's way more than I do. But I love reading, too, but I never find the time for it, ever. Yeah. I never do. For me, I squeeze in the time. I read midnight, whatever I have to do. Mm -hmm. I, I, take, I keep a book with me if I go in stores. If, when I'm standing in line, I read. Mm -hmm. um, What's your, like, uh, favorite thing to read, like, genre-wise or favorite uh, authors? So I'm into a lot of different. Well, okay, let's say, let me say this. Mm -hmm. I'm into a lot of different genres in a very narrow way. Oh, okay. Right. It sounds. So it's like broad, but in those genres, it's only like one kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Like, I only read nonfiction. Only read nonfiction. Only I nonfiction. do the same thing. Really? Exact same thing. Yeah. I used to read fiction. The last fiction book I read was by, I think Philip K. Dick, and it was uh, Man in the High Castle, okay. which is like a alternate history of Germany won World War II. And it's like oh. the future. Yeah. And uh, Amazon Prime made a little series on it and stuff. But that was the last. And that was like maybe my freshman year of high school. But I'm really into reading like philosophy, yeah. um, kind of more like, you know, Albert Camus, little uh, Kafka in there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm discovering all that. And it's because my dad threw that all on me. He really like, you know, built me up for that kind really? of thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I'm on nonfiction. And then within nonfiction, my top, one of my favorite topic is black history. Yeah. Like I read, studied black history for a long time, um, but I love sociology. I love yeah. um, um, finance, personal finance, investing. Uh, I love sports, particularly basketball, right? Um, mm -hmm. but with sociology, some philosophy, psychology, self-help, yeah. um, education books, a lot of education books, higher ed, K-12 ed. Um, I got a wide spectrum within nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I remember one time I had like a girl over at my place and she saw all like the like philosophy self-help books that I had. Yeah. She was like, oh, you got a, got a lot of self-help books. And I was like, oh, you got it all figured out? You got you got this <laughs> whole right. thing that we're doing to figure it out? Because I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. That's what the self-help is for. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So what, what was like a big like uh, book you read when you were younger that really made you like fall in love with literature? What, if you can think back to anything. Well, so as a kid, mm -hmm. I like books, but as a kid in my elementary school, I just read all basketball books. Yeah, um, we had a library I figured. in the elementary school. The library wasn't well stocked. The books are so old, but I went straight to the sports section every time we went. Like, I take take out all these basketball books. Um, but when I got to the high school, I didn't read books as much, but I was heavy into magazines. Mm. Um, I love magazines. So again, I told you I, I, I mm -hmm. went to a young high school. And Whitney Young is one of the best academic high schools in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where's that at? It's on the west side of the city. Oh, okay. One of the best, literally top five in the state, top 10, top 20 in the country. Um, 
but it's also one of the best basketball high schools in the country. Oh, wow. So in high school, my team, we traveled the country mm -hmm. playing basketball, and they still do to this day. Mm -hmm. um, so being wrapped up in that basketball culture, I loved Slam Magazine. Mm -hmm. Slam Magazine was my Bible. Um, and my dad, he got a monthly subscription, right? I'll show mm -hmm. you how old I am. This is when it get the monthly subscription that comes in the mail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I would, man, I would get it in the mail, set the plastic off, take it to school, carry it around school, like, in my, like, hide it behind the books. I'd be in class, like, hiding it behind the books. Yeah. Paying attention. Reading it. And I read the Slam Magazine word for word every month for six years. So my, I always read heavily, and I read the newspaper every day. Yeah. Every day. I read some, Chicago sometimes every day. Get off the bus by sometimes every day. So I, I was reading heavily, but I didn't get into back into books heavily until college. Until college. Yeah. Yeah, so what, what did you start reading when you were in the college? Uh, so in college, I um, the first book, or the book that really sparked it for me since it started to read regularly was uh, 48 Laws of Power. 48 Laws of Power. Who's that by? That's uh, Robert Greene. Robert Green. Robert Green. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's a really good book. Robert Green is a fantastic author. He's written mm -hmm. a lot of great books. But 48 Laws of Power is a bestseller. Um, and it, it's it's in the self-help realm. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's just talking about strategies about how to um, not only acquire power, but to deal with those people who are in power uh, in ways that are beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and that one, I started with that one. And then from there, I was like, okay, this is pretty decent. Let me see what the next book is. And yeah. Next book is. And then, man, reading now has just become a complete addiction to me. Yeah. So it's like part of your everyday life. It's like part of your routine, part of who you are as, at the core. It's the core of who I am. Okay. Yeah. Being a basketball player is at the core, source, like yeah. center of who I am. But reading is, I have, a, I, have a, I have a book tattoo, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, the tattoo is like, I don't know if you want to show it. On the yeah, sure. I don't care. I got mine out, so. Okay. <laughs> so I got a lot of tattoos. But yeah. Yeah, so like... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, this is a stack of books. These are my... Well, I want to say my favorite books, but these are the books that I think um, played the largest part in shaping who I am. Oh, yeah. Right? And 48 Laws of Power is right there in the center. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this is how obsessed I am with reading, man. That's it's, awesome, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and I, yeah, over here, autodidact. There's a little ashy. I should have put lotion on. <laughs> but autodidact means self-educated. Self-educated? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm, just, I'm a book fanatic. I got you. So when you were when you were in the D League, were you reading still? Heavily. Heavily. All the time. Did your teammates like give you give you crap for that? All the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. I'd be, yeah. be in the airport. I'm reading in the airport. Mm -hmm. Be on the bus. I'm reading on the bus. And it's like oh, this dude is a nerd. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Books and basketball don't really go together. Um, so, so I was always the nerdy dude on all my teams. Yeah. Never went out at night. I'm in the room reading books. Yeah. And go to we get to the hotel. I don't have any girls in the hotel. I'm reading books. Yeah. When we get back to our home city and we're not practicing, I would sit in borders for hours. Wow. I would just take my laptop, sit in borders, mm -hmm. read books that I own, go through the books they have. Um, I spent, I probably spent the majority of my salary <laughs> on books. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So you like, you really fell in love with books as much as you did with basketball. I would say almost. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. I have a basketball tattoo as well. Yeah. Uh, but I have a love for basketball that's just unmatched um, because I started so early and I got so much joy from it. And my friends, I got so many friends from it. All of my groomsmen at my wedding, they're my former teammates. Yeah. Um, so you long-lasting relationships, long-lasting yeah. friendships, yeah. Yeah. It, and it opened up so many doors for me. Yeah. But, but books is just, now that I'm, I'm older now, I can't play basketball the way I used to. So um, I'm just, I can't even describe my love for books at this point. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's. Yeah, it's like you can't describe, like, your wife's love. You right, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's just, like, it's there, and you yeah. know it's there, yeah, and yeah. you feel it. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how much, how much from books do you think you've learned more than you learned, like sitting in a classroom? Oh, it's not even close. You think you learned more from reading? Oh, by far. By far? Like 10 times, ten. if not 100 times. I have as well. Like whenever I read about a topic that we're like learning about in class, mm-hmm. I feel like I go in already knowing tons and tons more yeah. than what the teacher is going to teach me. Yeah. You know, and so like I just kind of repeat what the teacher likes <laughs> and then I get A's, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, yeah, school, I mean, don't get me wrong, school is great. Yeah. I have a lot of college degrees, but I've always been an average student. Yeah. I've always been a C student. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never was an A student. I never was, I never was a B student. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of C's. Um, but for books, I mean, I've learned so much. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my real education. My, people ask me my alma mater, so my alma mater is books. Mm-hmm. You know? That makes sense. So what's, like, the mantra you carry from all that, from all that information that you get from those books? It's like, if you could put it in a sentence, I know it's hard because <laughs> it's just like, what do you think's your mantra from um, all that? I would, I would say that... Um, Self-education really is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think what most people think is that once you get formally educated, whether high school, college, whatever, that's just sort of set from there. But I've learned that um, after you're formally educated, that's just the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. literally, that's the, that's the warm-up. Yeah. Yeah, like, so I have three, I have a PhD. I have, well, it's really an EDD. I have a doctorate. Yeah. Right, I'm a doctor. Um, I have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a doc- doctorate. After getting the doctorate, that's the warm up. Right? Wow. Yeah, that's the warm up. Like, Eight years is a warm up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it Eight may to be ten more years. Than, yeah, like ten years from me. Yeah. Right. That's the warm up. Like once I got the doctorate, I walked across the stage with my doctorate and everything. Now, Doctor Scott and everybody calling me Doctor Scott or whatever. Now this is the first quarter. Right? Mm-hmm. Now I have to pick up my books and I have to learn. Um, because one thing about learning is the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Wow. Right. So you can study all these things. Like, That's definitely going to be the quote. Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, so, you <laughs> the know, more like you say, you're into philosophy. And yeah. the more you get into philosophy, the more you start thinking about questions like, okay, well, what about this question? Why don't I know this, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can have a doctor, but I don't know anything about how the phone works, right? Or how these computers work, yeah. or a microphone, or, you know, why you put the shirt on that you put on today. Like, it's so yeah. many, you can just keep going, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's me, essentially. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I've never had an answer like that before. That's really, like, powerful. Yeah, anyone you tell, once you graduate college, now it's the start. Yeah, now the game starts. To, mm-hmm. Now the learning starts. You need to start to learn and educate yourself. Yeah. That degree was just, you just, like I said, that was a warm-ups. Mm-hmm. My dad always told me, like, when he had kids, he, like, realized that adults are just, like, bigger kids, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so, yeah, I think there is a point where someone, or a lot of people, I think, just kind of stop with their education and just kind of live their life and think like what they know now is all they should know. Yeah. And you know, and then you see that a lot, like even on the internet now and all that, where everyone thinks they have the correct answer and this is the right way to do things. Yeah. When really like, you know, why should this always be the thing? You know, it could always be better. It could always get better. And I think like intellectuals like you, like really are the things that push forward that kind of. Well, I don't know if I'm an intellectual. Um, you speak like one. I speak like one. Yeah, yeah my wife might think differently. <laughs> 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 she said, hey, you're not that smart. Uh, and, she, and, and my wife by far smarter than me. Um, my mm-hmm. wife, she actually, um, in two months in May, she'll graduate from law school. Oh, okay. Um, Congratulations she, to her. Yes, yes. Congratulations yeah. to her. I, I love her to death. Um, she'll graduate from law school, and she has a master's from an Ivy League school. Wow. Um, 
So I was a C student. She was the A student. Mm-hmm. So she's by far smarter than me. And she, she reads, too. Not like I do, but she's a reader as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so uh, how'd you meet your wife? So we actually met in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, actually High school sweetheart, or did you go throughout your whole no, life no. with it? No, we actually, we were just friends in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were friends. We met. I was a basketball player, obviously. She was a cheerleader. Oh, okay. Um, and we met in school one day. She was, she, like, saw me walking down the hall. She was like, hey, good game the other day. And I was like, oh, this girl's kind of cute. <laughs> she, you know, she just told me good game. Cause yeah. The game we played the, the, the night before. And I was like, oh. I was like, thank you. You know, that I, was, I used that as an opportunity to, like, spark the conversation. Oh, yeah. And then I recognized her face. Um, so every time I was here, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I called her cheerleader. I didn't really know her name. I'm like, hey, cheerleader, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and we would talk like that. But then we formed a friendship in high school. My senior year, she was a junior. Yeah. My senior year is when we met. Like, I was almost, like, graduated before we met. Um, and then we stayed friends. And then we started dating in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been that way ever since. It's been that way ever since. We dated since college, uh, and we got married. Uh, now we have two children. Um, and That's amazing. Yeah, it's just like we've known each other for a while now. Mm, so she's been like your supporter, like throughout your whole journey. I've pretty much. More, I've, I've been the supporter of her. Um, her too, yeah, obviously. Yeah, because yeah. she, I mean, she's just been so great. Like I said, I was a C student. She was an Ivy League college. Yeah. Right. Like. Um, which is, those are really tough schools. I mean, like, I know Ivy League, yeah. like, it comes with like that, but, like, even more than you think, yeah. it's tough. It's, oh, man, it's, it's incredibly tough. So yeah. she went to Columbia in New York. Mm-hmm. So I would go up there to visit her all the time. Um, Columbia, I mean, it's one of the top schools in the world. Yeah. And now she's in law school, so she'll be a lawyer um, by the summer. Right? So anything, like my doctorate or whatever, anything that I've done, really, like, looking at her, it's like... Yeah, it's, it's secondary. Like to have a think about having a doctor in your household and it being like secondary. Yeah, like that's literally how we are. Um, and she's much smarter than me. Yeah, she reminds me every now and then. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> every now and then. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, that's cool, man. My my dad's a lawyer as well. He uh, he does medical malpractice. Okay. Yeah, and he he told me like you know when he was just fresh out of law school, mm-hmm. you know, just passed the bar. Did she pass her bar yet? No, no, she, um, she's finishing up classes now. Okay, yeah, because the bar is, like, the big yeah. the big test for lawyers. There. And, you know, uh, when my dad passed, you know, he got all these offers from big companies, you know, come work for us, come work for us, but they literally expect 80 hours a week true, straight true. out of, which not a lot of people know that yeah. until they already have it's their degree. They, and he was like, you know, I'm trying to raise kids here. Like, right. I want to go spend time with my kids. Yeah. So he never, he always wanted to do things his own way. Yeah. And I guess, like, that's, you know, really where, like, I come in with, like, that with that part inside of me. Like, mm-hmm. I really want to do things, like, my own way. The, the I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I really yeah. just want to be my own boss. I really, you know, I don't want to go get approval to go yeah. get something done. I'd rather just, so I guess, like, my main goal in my life, so right now is to have like my own media company where I could sit down and have conversations like this you know report on things uh do funny stuff skits you know whatever they're just like trying to have my own little you know thing so yeah yeah exactly freedom I think that's like the biggest thing in my life that I want you know that I crave what what, what about you what do you think like the biggest thing you craved growing up or now even uh growing up I just wanted to like play basketball and yeah everything that came with that um not necessarily for the money or fame. I didn't. I never cared about that. I just really loved the game. I, I still play to this day. I I just played earlier today. Oh wow! Yeah, I played two three days a week. Um, mm-hmm. But now, I think the biggest thing now is just, um, just I would say just like a, a peaceful life. 
Like right now, like the center of my life is my wife and my children. Of course. Yeah, I have two children, uh, very small. Um, and like now, that's really the best of everything. Mm-hmm. Like going home is the best thing in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is this going on? My son is four, my daughter's two. Mm-hmm. So they're at that age, like every time I come through the door, they scream and they come running. Yeah. You know, and then having my wife there too, um, being able to like greet her. So like being being at home in the house, mm-hmm. is, it trumps anything. That's really just, yeah. that's what I want. To answer your question, that's like yeah. what I want most for my life is just to, you know, be with the three of them. That's awesome, man. That's really bittersweet too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. How, how do you think you learned like how to parent so far? Do you think you're just going with the flow? Because I know there's no manual to it. I don't know if you read anything on it. You know, Definitely. I'm I'm terrified of becoming a father. That's why I'm asking because I'm I don't know what I'm gonna do. I mean, I'm only 20, but like, oh yeah, still, time. exactly. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. yeah, yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. Um, no, I when so learning how to parent. I, I have a lot of support, right? Um, my dad is still in my life, and me and my dad are best friends. That's awesome. Yeah, like my dad has been in my life every single moment of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have some of the greatest memories in the world about my dad, and we still tight to this day. I talked to him earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have him and everything that he taught me about fatherhood. Um, and then my wife's parents, um, her mom and dad, are very active and very helpful with us. Mm-hmm. And they've raised two children, so they they give us all the, the tips. And yeah. Everything. And then I have my sister, who's a, a parent, and I, I got aunties and uncles. I have a lot of, like, models. Yeah, me. for that. Gr- growing up, did you have any, like, big role models? I mean, I know you said your dad, but, you know, like anybody else you really looked up to, wanted to meet? Yeah, so my dad was number one, always. Of course. Um, like I said, me and my dad, we spent so much time together. Like, mm-hmm. people see me nowadays, and the first thing they ask is, how's your dad? Because me and my dad were like this. Yeah. Uh, and we still are. He comes, he's at my house three days a week Yeah. to this day. That's right? awesome. Um, but next to him, um, and, and beside basketball players, like I slew of basketball players that I admired, um, most of the people that I really, really admired coming up were people that were no longer alive. Like, I'm a huge Malcolm X fan. Yeah. Yeah, somebody I couldn't meet, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, right. Yeah. Um, Malcolm X fan, a huge fan of Fred Hampton, former Black Panther, mm-hmm. the boys. These these are the people. Um, and now today, as an adult, I still have people that I look up to and aspire to um, to meet. Um, Mark Lamont Hill, yeah. who's a professor at Temple University. Love everything he does. Um, and one of my mentors today is a guy by the name of Haki Matabuti, uh, who is from Chicago. He mm-hmm. owns a publishing company here in Chicago. And him and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, he's much older than me, but we've been friends. He's been, he's been a, a mentor for me. So. I've had a lot of mentors, mm-hmm. whether they're alive or living, and whether they know me. Like Mark on my hill doesn't know he's my mentor. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, I, I met him. He don't remember me, but mm-hmm. he's a mentor from afar. So. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I I've always wanted to meet pretty much the same amount of people. Yeah. You know, because if you look at, t- at today, there really is no like big peaceful voice. When it comes to like social issues or politics, you know, you know, there is no Malcolm X, there is no MLK, there is yeah. no um, JFK, maybe right. if you want to throw him in there. But like, yeah, so like when, when uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests, mm-hmm. you know, they really came into full force over 2020. I was really interested to see if there would be someone like that that really like came up through the limelight, and there was some, you know, mm-hmm. and but it was never. I've never seen like a true like 
you know, another person like that. I don't know if it's because of fear, because, you know, all those people end up dying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I, that's part of, particularly with Black Lives Matter, I think yeah. this, this generation of, of leadership or yeah. this generation of um, social justice activists, I, Black Lives Matter in particular, they've decided not to have a core leader. Yeah. Um, for, from looking at history of Mar um, Martin Luther King, Malcolm yeah. X, JFK, uh, Robert Kennedy, the idea that if it is in the hands of one person, which historically was in the, in the hands of one male, right? We can yeah. talk about the feminist aspect of it too. Of course. But having just one person, if that person is no longer able to lead because they've died or been killed, right? All four of those guys we just met, mentioned were killed, right? Mm -hmm. Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, and yeah. okay, they were all assassinated. And typically, when they go, the movement goes, mm -hmm. right? There was no civil rights movement after 1968 when King was killed. So I think with Black Lives Matter and many of the newer organizations, they try to avoid that. They try to decentralize the leadership. Yeah. yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah. I also think it's a little bit harder to get it going because there's no one yeah. to like really to follow. Yeah, um, it has its challenges. Exactly, and then the same thing that happened with Fred Hampton. You know, exactly. he's getting murdered in his apartment in Chicago. Exactly, you know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the Chicago chapter of the Panthers were never the same. Yeah, never. And like I watched his, you know, old speeches on YouTube. He was like awesome. He was a fired up guy. You know, completely believed in everything he was saying. Like you, he said like opinion, but mm -hmm. when he when he spoke it, it was fact. Mm -hmm. Like that's how good he was at speaking. He was so smart. Yeah, so smart. I have afraid him to tattoo. I have his face tattooed on my arm. Oh wow. Um, but you think about, like you say, you hear those speeches. He was very smart. Right? Mm -hmm. He was all about racial solidarity. Yeah. He was all about bringing the youth and the gangs in Chicago together. Mm -hmm. And you think about all of that that he did and how smart and how brilliant and how beautiful he was. When he died, he was 21. Mm -hmm. like, he was a kid. Exactly. Like, for him to be that great at 21, when you hear him, if you don't know his age, you just, you would swear he's older. Mm -hmm. Right? But to, to have that level of greatness in him at 21, that's, you know, that's something I'll He's a special person. Yeah, Very absolutely. special person. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish I was alive to meet him. You know, any of the people we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I never want to meet the president. I mean, like, <laughs> if I did, I don't even know if he knew who I was. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't want superficial meetings and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, you know, with all those role models that you had, like, you know, I, I know we talked about mantra already, but... You know, if you could give one piece of advice to me as a 20-year-old or to any other students here at Moraine, you know, with their lives, mm -hmm. what do you think you'd say? Besides, you know, learning yeah. uh, past college. No, any, um, any advice I would give to um, younger people, younger generations, yeah. I would say is to probably, I would say, um, many of the things that you, that you are looking toward, mm -hmm is not really as important as you think it is. Yeah. Right? And I'm sort of talking to myself, my younger self as well, right? But Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's not a knock on your generation. This happens with every generation, right? The it's every you, kid. Every kid. Yeah. Right? Every, the things that you think are important, they're not really important, mm -hmm. right? And if you spend too much time th looking at those things, you'll miss what's mm -hmm. really important, right? Yeah. Um, I just think about me being 20, yeah. right? And when I was 20, the main thing I thought was like, oh, I want to make sure my shoes look good. I want to make sure my shirt looks oh, good. Oh, yeah. I want to impress, impress this girl. I want to impress these girls. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, you know, hang out with my friends. I don't want to hang out by myself, you know. And then you get older and you're like, that stuff is cool. But, you know, maybe taking your mom to dinner yeah. is something you should be focused on. She's not going to be here forever. Exactly. Right? Or um, spending time with a, a friend that you don't see often versus worried about, like, oh, like, I got to go to the barbershop. I got to get my hair cut. Mm -hmm. My shoelaces have to match my wristwatch, like. 
okay, cool, but, you know, how about you go check out something you've never done before? Go to a play. Yeah. You know? Yeah, go see something that you never think you'd do. Yeah, do something out of the ordinary. Yeah. That's what, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. I feel like I'm in that stage right now where I'm realizing, like, my parents are getting older. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always said growing up, like, I'm going to give you a retirement. I'm going to give you a retirement, you know, because my dad is always like, I'm working till I drop, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, there's no way I'm letting that happen. You know, you've provided for me my whole life. And so, like, I'm always thinking, you know, about... Uh, now I'm more thinking about them and spending more time with them than I am about, you know, hanging out with friends. Or, yeah. And I think, you know, what you said about, like, you know, we're focused on other stuff when mm-hmm. we should focus on important. Like, I, I'm the social media generation. Okay, yeah. so like, I'm Gen Z. So, like, we grew up putting the best version of ourselves out there for everybody to see. Yes. So I feel like, you know, there's a big thing that I see in everyone that's my age. And uh, I, I don't think it's talked about enough. Mm-hmm. And I think it is that when we always want to try and be perfect Mm -hmm. and like whenever we fall short of that, Mm -hmm. it hits us, I think a lot harder than it did before and further because I guess like, you know, everyone wants to see that perfect life. And if you're not, and plus you see all these people, you know, that are rich and famous just off of, yeah, exactly. And I think like, it's just, it's a really like big insecurity thing. It's going on with a lot of people in my generation. And so I guess, you know, one of my main goals in my life is to try and inspire people to like kind of grow out of that. You know, I think when you get older, it'll definitely be that way. But I I just see it so much to the point where it's like, you know, everyone's kind of like blending personalities now. Like Mm -hmm. no one has, like, it's very like uh, rare to see a, or outstander or by you know someone that like is very unique in what they do or what they believe in and yeah. it's like all these clicks and it's, it's crazy it's crazy so i think like you know what you're saying like oh with my shoelaces match my watch today you know that i think that's amplified 10 times more and i think everyone needs to hear what you just said yeah definitely yeah, your generation yeah. Is, i mean you all are dealing with something that no other generation in the history of time has mm-hmm. dealt with. and i think that's just information getting to us like that yes that's what yes. it is yes you obviously so much access to information mm-hmm. and as you said you have the opportunity to present yourselves in whatever way you want. Um, you know, you could, with social media, you can put out whatever narrative about yourself that you, you could just create whatever you want to create, regardless if it's authentic yeah. or, you know, if it's make-believe or whatever. So yeah, it's definitely a serious challenge for your generation. Yeah. I think it also kind of destroys the empathy factor for us as well. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people that judge, yeah. you know, off of that. And it's easier to, you know, like hurt someone over online than it isn't to their face. Yeah. And so like, I feel like that also causes a lot of social anxiety. I think there's so much to it that mm-hmm. just comes from having this thing in my pocket on me mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like eventually it's going to be like in our arms, you know, like <laughs> yeah. we're never going to be able to get away from it. Yeah. And I think I said this in the last podcast, but I'm going to say it again because I love the quote, but I saw it uh, like a few weeks ago online. It was in 20, 2001, computers were a way to get away from reality. But in 2022, mm-hmm. reality is a way to get away from technology because wow. we're surrounded by it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about that, but that's a very accurate quote. Mm-hmm. And, and with the way things are evolving, you got to be more diligent about getting away from. You know, I mean, with, with the metaverse and those sort of things coming, you know, virtual reality is going to be tough. Yeah. And it's on your generation to, to create what's new because what will be new would definitely be better because you won't make the same mistakes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a good spot to end off. Yeah, that's cool.
Hey, thank you, Mr. Scott. I appreciate it. Oh, it was a lot of fun, man.